Hello, this is Pastor Trent. I want to welcome you to the Mountain Home Church, the Nazarene Sermon Podcast. We are thrilled that you are tuning in to hear sermons from our ministries here at our church. It is our hope that the Spirit of Christ would be present with you as you listen today. I do want to take just a moment to invite you to reach out and connect with us. On our website, we have a way for you to do just that. You can visit www.mhnazarene.org slash connect and fill out a very brief form. There's a spot to leave contact info, ask questions, and even to request prayer. Also, be sure to indicate that you listen to us through our SoundCloud podcast to let us know where you're listening. May the Lord be with you this day. Grace and peace to you. It's good to be family together, isn't it? Sometimes I think we uh, get in the mode of, of um, yeah, the, the Western church is kind of placed at the center of our liturgy, the, the opening of the word and, and what God has to say to us through scripture. Um, and I think that's largely appropriate. Um, maybe sometimes we tilt too heavy that way. Sometimes the gathering of the church looks a lot like this and celebrating our students and lifting them up and holding them up. Amen? That's good. That's, that's being church family together. So we celebrate that today. Um, we're starting a new series today. Uh, last year, uh, I, I generally like to, to preach from the lectionary, which is uh, kind of a series of scriptures that takes us through um, uh, kind of the whole tenor of scripture over the course of three years. You'll hear me talk about year A, B, and C. We're in the, the middle of year B, uh, which is a year that, that focuses on the gospel of Mark. It goes from Matthew to Mark to Luke. So we're in year B. Um, but uh, uh, and, and that's why we read from, from the gospel text in Mark today. That was from the, the lectionary readings. Um, but today we're starting a new series that, that's going to operate outside of that. Um, last year, uh, when we uh, broke into kind of a, a series to take us through much of the summer, uh, we studied a book. Does anybody remember what book that was? You didn't know you were going to pop quiz. It was 1 Corinthians. Um, yeah, oh, yeah. I knew that, they say. Um, 1 Corinthians is what we turned to. Uh, and uh, we took a chapter a week and kind of highlighted a, a piece of, of that book. And, and that's Paul's letter to the church in Corinth. Um, our, our theme last year was becoming one. And as you take a look at the, the Corinthian church, there were some things that they needed to be reminded of uh, in order to become one. And that really uh, was was a focus. Corinth had some pretty uh, challenging things going on. Uh, church leadership issues, listening to the Spirit, lawsuits, marriages, and issues surrounding sexuality, rights and privileges, worship practices, gifts, church as the body of Christ, love, resurrection. All of these themes were hit as we talked about the church becoming one last year as we went through 1 Corinthians. Um, <laughs> I looked up. They're still on SoundCloud if you want to look. Uh, SoundCloud.com slash uh, Mountain Home Naz. Um, but we started the first week of June and went once, one per week through um, September 20th. This year we have a new theme. It's been posted up here, Becoming New. Um, and and as, I, as I worked and searched for a portion of Scripture to, to work through kind of continuously, the Lord laid upon my heart the book of Jonah. The book of Jonah. Jonah has some incredible moments and some incredible stories of, of transformation. And as I think about becoming new, 
I want God to be on this journey of continual transformation in my life. I don't want to settle. I don't want to get to the point in my life like, well, I've worked really hard and I've arrived. God's done with me. That's a dangerous place to be, right? That's a dangerous place to work ourselves into where we don't have these growth edges. We don't have these parts in our lives where God is still saying, Trent, you can do better. Trent, you can work harder. Not that we're, not that we're self-defeating or, or down on ourselves. But I want to remain open to the transformation that God has for me in my, for me in my life today. Now, if you have students in our youth group or if you follow those accounts on social media, you may be aware that the youth group has just been going through Jonah and their Sunday nights. I've been hiding in the kitchen to know what to say, so um, that's not true. Uh, but uh, it's kind of a, a, a congruence there between the two different, two different uh, groups here, but we're going to dive into the book of Jonah. I want to get to the text, but before I do, a couple of things. Number one, Jonah is a short book. Uh, so we're able to go continuously through Jonah. We're going to hit every verse. We're going to read every verse in Jonah over the next few weeks. I couldn't do that with First Corinthians. We would have been there probably still today. Um, so we just dedicated one, one week to a chapter. But in Jonah, we're going to get to hit every verse as we, as we travel through this book. So I'm excited about that. It'll be a kind of a continuous reading. Um, number two, I want to encourage you to read the book. Just read the book. Just sit down sometime this week and read the book. It's about eight minutes long if you read the whole thing, um, and give or take some. I, mine's a little longer because I don't, I don't read as fast as some people do. But just take time to read the whole story uh, and to have it in mind. I would challenge you to do that once per week over the course of the next six or seven weeks as we, as we plow through Jonah. But we're going to start at the very beginning, Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. Out of respect for the reading of God's word, I'm going to invite you, those who are willing and able to stand while we read the scriptures today. Reading today from Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 4 from the Common English Bible. The Lord's word came to Jonah, Amittai's son. Get up and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their evil has come to my attention. So Jonah got up to flee to Tarshish from the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship headed for Tarshish. He paid the fare and went aboard to go with them to Tarshish, away from the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea so that there was a great storm on the sea. The ship looked like it might be broken to pieces. This is the word of God given to us, the people of God. We say, thanks be to God. Please have a seat. As we start this new series, and as we focus on a new book, I always think it's important to try to orient ourselves with a little bit of context about the book. Who was this Jonah guy? Where did he come from? What do we know about him? What's his story? Uh, my working title for, for this sermon this week is called Jonah, comma, a prophet? Question mark? Like, we're not really sure. Um, and the reason we're not really sure, the part of our struggle to designate Jonah as a prophet comes from really the lack of details that we find in this book. Um, we kind of identify it as a prophet. It's, it's around the other prophetic books. 
There's major prophets, there's minor prophets, and Jonah's in the middle of the minor prophets. Minor not because they're less important, but minor because they're shorter. They are shorter books of the Bible. So don't think of major prophets as like the ones we really got to listen to, and minor prophets as like, oh, well, they're, you know, they're, they're on the AAA club or the AA club. No, they're all prophets from the Lord. But Jonah comes with just this immense lack of, of details. We've read the one detail that it gives to us. It says, Jonah, the father of Amittai. Apart from that, we really don't know much about Jonah. Now, there's a reference in 2 Kings chapter 14 uh, that, that talks about Jonah, son of Amittai, kind of recounting the kingship of Jeroboam in the northern kingdom of Israel. It says the king did evil, He didn't turn away from the evil of the past, but it talks a little bit about Jonah. Let me tell you what it says. It says this, he, Jeroboam, the king, was the one who restored the boundaries of Israel from Lebo Hamath to the Dead Sea in accordance with the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, spoken through his servant, Jonah, son of Amittai, the prophet from Gath Hepher. I always kind of like this convergence. We turn to one book to learn about another book, and that's it's really awesome when the Bible does that for us. Um, but <laughs> Jonah says nothing about Israel reestablishing boundaries. Jonah says nothing about where Jonah is from. The book of Jonah doesn't say anything, so we have to turn to Second Kings. In fact, there are no other Israelites mentioned in the whole book of Jonah other than Jonah. Um, so without strong clues, tradition has linked these two references together. Um, but we're not, we're, honestly, we're not really sure. But there aren't a whole lot of people named Jonah in the Bible. <laughs> there aren't a whole lot of dads named Amittai in the Bible. So they, they have linked those together. We don't really know much about the date of this book either. There's opinions that kind of bounce around, but there's a wide range of opinions from like the 2nd century B.C. all the way to... Uh, the 8th century B.C. (laughs) So that's a long range, 600 years. uh, We don't really know that much. The other question that I have to ask is, why do we call Jonah a prophet? Other than his book is in the middle of the prophets. um, The standard prophet, God has a message. God gives me a message, and I have this mission, and I'm going to go deliver this oracle. I'm going to deliver God's message to the people for whom it was intended. Jonah is almost completely, the book of Jonah is almost completely devoid of this. There is one verse of this. One verse of Jonah actually delivering this message. It's narrative. It's a story, which is one of the reasons why it's so easy to read and so easy to to kind of go through and, and take time and read. It's understandable as narrative and as story. It's not just the oracle that God had sent to be delivered to the city of Nineveh. In this way, it's completely, it's, it's completely unique. But I think it's an incredible chance for us as we look into this theme of transformation, of becoming new. And the story starts with Jonah. We've talked about Jonah, son of Amittai, and he gets a message from God. Jonah has been called, in, in many circles, the reluctant prophet or the recalcitrant prophet. I don't know what recalcitrant means, so I had to look it up. This is, this is what it means. Having an obstinately uncooperative attitude. 
I could make a joke about my kids here, but that would be totally inappropriate. Um, Jonah hears the word of the Lord. Go here. Say this. Haven't you wished for that kind of clarity sometimes? God, just tell me what to do. Tell me how to respond. Tell me how to act in this situation, and I'll do it. Jonah had that chance. God, would you just give me clear directions? Just shoot me an email. A text would be fine, and I'll know what to do in this situation. Jonah didn't have that. He had no ambiguity. He had this clear call, and the clear call for Jonah is summed up in three action verbs in the statement from God. It's, it's three verbs in the Hebrew. As it gets translated to English, it's reduced down to two verbs. But the three verbs in Hebrew say this, to rise up, to go, and to call out, to preach the word to the city of Nineveh. Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian Empire, Israel's neighbors, kind of to the northeast. I turned around, northeast, yeah. Up there. Uh, Jonah doesn't take the time to really describe the evil of this city, just the degree of the, the evil. It was so evil, the book of Jonah says, it had risen up to the attention of God. This city was so evil, it had risen up to the attention of God. And God sends Jonah to preach to this city, to rise up and to go to Nineveh and to call out, to preach the word to the Ninevites there. Well, Assyria and Israel weren't great friends. They, they kind of were uh, enemies at times. Um, and uh, the season in which Jonah uh, was, was offering this wasn't, wasn't a time of peace. Uh, and I'm not sure that it really has been a time of peace in the Middle East and it's here that we encounter this remarkable theme in the book of Jonah. Why is God sending Jonah to Nineveh? God is sending Jonah to, to the them for Israel, the outsiders, the people on the margins, the people that Israel had kind of been trained not to care so much about. We have our thing going on here. We know Yahweh. Isn't that good? Can it, you and me and God and we're going to make it through. We have this image that comes forth from Jonah that, that God is concerned about the Assyrians, the evil ones, the other ones, the outsiders, the foreigners. God cares about them too. One of the misunderstandings we have about the Old Testament is that it's really Israel-focused, that it's all about God and Israel and being obedient and following the law. And here we have Jonah sent to Nineveh of Assyria to the pagans, to the ones doing all this evil, so much so that it rises to the attention of God. Even in the Old Testament law, we find provision uh, in Israel for the foreigner and for the marginalized. Things like not harvesting all of your crops. Leave, leave a little bit around the edges for the foreigners, for the ones who had no means for themselves to come and harvest crops. Pathways for those outside of the community to be, to be grafted in to the nation of Israel. Here we have Jonah sent to go preach for their evil was so great that it had caught God's attention and caught it to the, to the point at which God said, I'm going to send 
someone to go preach. And here we have the only Israelite mentioned, the only one that knows Yahweh, the only one we could, be, uh, we could even describe as, as a man of God in this story. What does Jonah do? <laughs> Tim Green highlights something in his commentary that cracked me up. Verse 3 has eight verbs. Jonah's response to God's call is summarized in eight verbs. He ran, he headed, he went, he found, he was prepaid, he went, he sailed, he fleed. Those are the eight verbs contained in verse 3 of chapter 1. All of them make them into our, our English translation. Jonah took action, and the action was, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. I'm taking off. There's no question to what God does. In the maps of Israel that we have today, Gath, Gath Heifer is kind of central in Israel. Nineveh in the Assyrian uh, Empire was up to the northeast. Joppa was <laughs> southwest. It was on a port. And all the way across the Mediterranean Sea was Tarshish, where he was headed. He said, I don't want to go anywhere near there. And this was a man that was close enough to Yahweh to hear his voice. Jonah and the ship he chooses encounters some rough seas. In fact, the sea obeys better than Jonah does. <laughs> the sea is the obedient one in these first four verses. The sea is the one who follows God's instructions. The Lord had just sent Jonah, and he ran and fled from his assignment. The Lord sent a great wind, and the wind obeys. The, the seas and the storm so impede the progress of Jonah's flight. It says the integrity of the ship was at risk. I don't know about you, but God sending the sea and the storm to get my attention is not where I want to be. For ancient Israel, the imagery of the sea was this place of chaos, this place of destruction, the chaotic waters of the deep. I had, a, I had a friend who, who was recounting just recently just his, his fear of, of deep water. And he had gone on this snorkeling excursion. He's like, I can do this. There'll be other people around. He said he spent the whole time with his hand on the ship. He would put his snorkel in and he wasn't leaving that ship. Some of us today are in the deep ocean the waves knocking us around and the wind blowing our ship. And we fear the sea is about to break our ship apart. I never want to be where Jonah found himself. I never want to be fleeing from where God sent me. Even if that assignment is tough. Even if it's to them, you know, those people that we struggle with. I'm going to ask the praise team to, to come on up as we close out. Jonah doesn't start this story in a place of transformation. That gives me hope. The transformation wasn't his story from the very beginning. That Jonah didn't get it right, right away. He started on a ship headed in the wrong direction, pre-planned, pre-calculated. God told me this way. I'm headed that way. And to me, it makes this story all that more accessible. 
Because Jonah was just a guy. That's what he thought of himself. I'm just, I, what can I do? This is Nineveh. This is Assyria. I don't want to go anywhere near there. So I'm going to run. I'm going to head. I'm going to go. I'm going to pay. I'm going to climb aboard. I'm going to sail off across the Mediterranean Sea to a new place. He's the reluctant, resistant, recalcitrant prophet. I'm not sure he's a prophet. Yet he's in tune enough to hear the call of God, to perceive the call of God. Sometimes I live a little distracted. We're a distracted people sometimes, amen? My phone, my schedule, my busy. I keep all of that way too much in front of me. Sometimes the call of God seems very close and very near, and other times I let things get in the way. But we're going to walk with Jonah, and we're going to follow this story of transformation that we see in the life of Jonah. And I'm excited to walk this journey with you. Thanks for joining us today on the Mountain Home Church the Nazarene podcast. Don't forget to visit us at mhnazarene.org connect if you'd like to connect with us. And have a great week.